0: Baby, nobody's business but mine. Ain't nobody's dog on business. How my baby treat me? Nobody's business but my own. Gonna wake up boozy, gonna grab my gun, gonna kill old Susie. nobody's business but mine. Going back to Frenchie Cola, gonna buy my baby money more than nobody's business but my own. Get that letter you take me back, I'll treat you better. Nobody's business but mine. Ain't nobody's doggone business, how my baby treat me. Nobody's business but my own. Ain't nobody's dirty business, how my baby treat me. Nobody's business but my own. Morning, gonna wake up crazy, gonna grab my gun, gonna kill my baby. Nobody's business but mine. Ain't nobody's doggone business how my baby treat me. Nobody's business but my own. Ain't nobody's dirty business how my baby treat me. Nobody's business but my own.
1: shows what I get for not following a request for the letter Uh, so okay I'm going to just talk to you guys for a second while I figure out something Uh, and we're just going to listen to this uh, Skipping Dinosaur Jr. record as I do that Um, so I wonder how everybody's doing out there I wonder how everybody's enjoying the show Um, oh man listen to that go isn't that something isn't that something oh That's not i Oh, <laughs> All right, all right. You've been listening to the Maximum Summer Show here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Very special episode where I uh, play a bunch of stupid crap that I was into in high school. I mean, don't get me wrong, it all rules, but it is, you know, it is what it is. Uh, This has been the the 90s mixtape, 90s summer mixtape. There, I justified it. Uh, Episode of the Maximum Summer Show. Um. so these are all songs that I have either received or given on in mixtape between 1998 and I think like 2002 is what I said earlier so whatever that's probably true uh, you should the germs with Lexcon Devil before that Lead Belly with Green Corn before that Dinosaur Jr. with uh, Little Fury Things uh, before that Mon Honey with Sweet Young Thing Ain't Sweet No More before that a very brief snippet of uh, Dinosaur Jr.'s version of The Cure's Just Like Heaven uh, which skipped like crazy Did weird things that records shouldn't ever do Anyway, before that uh, Mississippi John Hurt with Nobody's Dirty Business Before that, The Vaselines with Slushy Before that, Captain Beefheart and his Magic Band with Ella Guru Before that, Daniel Johnston with Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Your Grievances Before that, Pavement with Unfair Before that, The Flaming Lips with Kim's Watermelon Gun And actually, that was in the last set So that's where we left off Uh, Living Writers is next. I got to get in my mixtape closer, so I'm going to shut up now. Uh, Stay tuned all day and all night to WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor.
2: Good afternoon. You're listening to Living Writers on WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. I'm T. Hetzel. Um, Thanks for the great music intro. uh, Mm. Engineer Jesse Johnston in the saddle today and for um, all the great music as I was driving over to the station on the way here listening Mm. to WCBN. Always a pleasure. And speaking Mm. of other Mm. uh, pleasures, Josie Kearns is here in the studio. Welcome, Josie. It's great to be here. Things, poet Mm -hmm. Josie Kearns, nonfiction writer Josie Kearns, many (laughs) lecturer, (laughs) all that stuff, (laughs) all these many hats, Josie Kearns. True. Um, Mm -hmm. And you've got two books that are out Mm -hmm. this this year. Two thousand nine is is a banner year for you. It's been pretty
3: good, (laughs) I have to say. Yeah, it's it's. I was a big surprise. So, and actually, when the books came out, like I was waiting for them to be delivered, like my copies, they and I thought that one small package was just more of the same and both books got delivered on the same day in different publishers it was like and my in my horoscope oh my god at and my at work it was so great my horoscope in the chicago tribune said i had a 10 and they rate it from one to 10 10 being the best and i was like oh now i know what a 10 is you get two books delivered to you <laughs> Oh, that was really silly.
2: Yeah, how often I wonder are you the horse?
3: You know the daily yeah. horoscope's rated a ten. You don't get tens do very often. Hmm. So,
2: and we were talking. Mm-hmm. You're a cusp mm-hmm. person, right? Okay. You're. We might as Libre well. Libra
3: Scorpio. Yes, might as well reveal it. Yes, <laughs> yeah. worst of both worlds. But. <laughs> Anyway,
2: oh, well, mm. so the two books that we're we're talking about mm. right now, The Theory of Everything, um, this book out by Mayapple Press um, in Bay City, Michigan, and then the other book, uh, Alphabet of the Ocean, and this book um, printed by March Street Press. Uh, and these folks uh, uh, are in Greensboro, North mm-hmm. Carolina. Right. Um, and I also just, uh, we might be hearing a poem from one of Josie's earlier books, New Numbers, and this is in the, the Michigan uh, Writer's Series. Um, right, oh, Josie? New Issues Press. New, mm-hmm. new Series right. Press. Right. Okay. Um, so lots of exciting poems ahead, I think, because you, you'll read some for us. <laughs> sure. Today, won't you, Josie? Definitely. Oh, great. Yeah. great. Great. And um, to kick off, we'll start... With the biography of our our poet in this Hmm. hot seat here. Josie Kearns was born in Flint, Michigan, and was raised there by her mother, Gladys Kearns Kibbe, and her stepfather, Ray Kibbe. Um, this is her fourth book of poems and fifth book. And we're gonna be talking about that I think that fifth book that y- you're mm. you're um alluding to is Life After the Line, a nonfiction. Nonfiction book right. From right. Wayne State Press. Wonderful. Mm. Um her her work has been awarded four creative artist grants from the Michigan Council for the Arts, three Hopwood Awards, a Cowden Fellowship, a grant to the NEA, uh A Detroit Women Writers Fellowship and numerous writer in residences from the Ragdale Foundation, Um, and and we're going to fill in some of the other the biography notes now too. Um, Josie, you came here for the MFA, right? Right, Uh, right. uh, Okay, so you're you're Michigan born and bred
3: (laughs) (laughs) I know it's pretty scary (laughs) yeah no no (laughs) so so basically Mm. you write about snow (laughs) I know it's it's well actually I think the midwest is pretty surreal and I don't think people really get that, you know, like there, Like one time I was walking down to Flint uh, to go out for the evening to have dinner with my husband and we felt like something was watching us on the left and we turned and there were three elephants swaying in this uh, green space and it was like, what in the... <laughs> so we get to the restaurant, we start telling people, we saw three elephants and everybody's like, no, no. And we find out that the, the you know, the Ringling Brothers is in town and the place they used to house them was torn down. So they're out in the field. <laughs> I was like, yes, the Midwest is surreal. It really is.
2: Right. It wasn't any, yeah.
3: you know, extra goodies that, that you guys no. <laughs> <had No. laughs> partaken of. Wow, three elephants. Yeah. That's... And they sway right before they're going to go to sleep. And so I found that out later in a PBS special, but... And I was like, "Why?" yes, they did sway. (laughs) It's very weird.
2: Yeah, because they weren't even just stationary or eating. Yeah, (laughs) they were like, sort of elephant dance. Very weird. Amazing. And elephants always a good omen. You I guess. Know, yes. I, I think that's even better than getting a 10 on your horoscope. Yeah, or maybe, flipper, you know, <laughs> three swaying elephants. But and so and you live now with your husband, who's also a poet. Right. Joe Matusik. And 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 uh, and you were mentioning he has a book coming out. Yeah, it's
3: uh, he's fiddling with it and he won't give me a copy to look at. But um, he's like, I'm not done with it yet. But Wayne State University Press is going to publish it in 2010. It's called Eating Fire. So it's going to be fun. He just did a reading uh, in Farmington. So he's he's happy about it <laughs> so
2: getting the work out there in the world the poems mm-hmm. are are getting out there in the the oral
3: the oral way oh yeah. definitely um and and you guys live mm-hmm. in Clinton and Clinton which is a tiny town of 2400 people um it's very picturesque i just went to the uh the local um theater there and they had a screen that had a, a wrinkle And so when the new people took over the the small town theater, they fixed the wrinkle and it went up fifty cents. So it was instead of two fifty, it was three dollars. And some people were standing in line saying, "I don't know if it's worth it." (laughs) Fifty cents—it's just ridiculous. And and this is for a movie. It's for first run movies too. I just saw um, uh, *Night at the Museum* too. So. Wow. So we should all get, get there, $3. get over there
2: to Clinton and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and be happy about it. No, no wrinkles Very much. on the screen. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, mm. and I, well, while I was looking mm. you up online, Josie, as well, I saw that you are hmm. a, a noted card shark. Is that, is card that shark. true? Card shark. Yeah. From the Works in Progress series. The, there was Works a side note series. about when you were crazy. Maybe they were just being oh. crazy
3: at Crazy Wisdom. I don't know. Oh, they mean the tarot cards. So that's what they're talking about I guess. Oh, I was yeah, here I was thinking
2: at. poker or oh, something. Oh no, I'm terrible
3: like, at games the, of chance. Like
2: you're going <laughs> over to Windsor
3: or or even staying no. in Detroit for a quick No, gamble. they probably were mentioning the tarot cards, but Oh. Yeah, so so. W- what is it about the tarot that uh, Well, I'm a verbal person, you know, and so um and everything is text, text, text. So um one of the things that's interesting to me about the tarot is that it's you know, besides the predictive and what will happen and stuff like that, it, w- which is fun to think about. The visuals are so beautiful, and you think in a more, in a different way, like a, almost like an artist would think. Uh, and, but it does have you know things like opportunity and you know change and things like that, but it 's all represented visually, and so that 's kind of a, that's kind of gives my brain a rest, you know from words
2: so when you're so, so when you 're making the poems josie are mm-hmm. are they so it's so it 's not that they 're image driven necessarily how, like mm, how that 's a good it, point yeah how are you well working? it's it 's sort
3: of um i 'll get an image that 's true. Um, But then I want to talk about something I just found out, like, you know, like the inventions poem, for example, or, you know, something like that, or the shells. Um, The seashells uh, drove myself and my husband crazy, I think. But anyway, I just really got into them, and I dive into stuff, uh, like, a lot and sort of uh, get uh, a sensory overload and and really, really study it and stuff like that. Um, At the time, I had also read um, Susan Orlean's book, who's also from Michigan, University of Michigan, um, The Orchid Thief. That's and, a great and book, it's also, isn't it? It's a great book, and it's also all not this at all stuff, like the movie. You know? <laughs> no, I know the movie, but I'm going to use it this in the fall. But it's so funny because it it really delves into it, and she started by just getting immersed in it. Um, and Florida, you know, and the seashells are in Florida, and it's like the same area, and it's such a crazy place. But Florida reminds me of the Midwest because it's surreal. It's got weird things. It, next to, to things. that. Yeah. Yes. It really is. Yeah. All so. the serial killers go through Florida. The, the, it has is the largest per capita of serial killers. That's true.
2: Is that's actually a factoid? <laughs> that's actually a factoid. I usually just toss that other one no, out just it's by. It's true. Just for my reading.
3: <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I actually there. went out to get shells at night thinking, well, maybe I could get more shells at night at 1 a.m. by myself, you know, with a tiny flashlight on this on the Gulf Coast, I mean I was really I was completely addicted to the seashells. I mean, I just was like, Oh my gosh, I'm out here. Then I found out later, oh, the most serial killers are in Florida. Oh great. <laughs> and I didn't know my boundaries or my surroundings or anything. So, so that was what
2: was at stake for the book Alphabet of the Ocean, <laughs> just out with March Street Press then.
3: Yes, yeah. Very much. So yeah. so when you so, were
2: researching this book, mm-hmm. so it took you to Florida?
3: Yeah, I and... I went to Florida three years ago and I started and I thought I was gonna find um I had really bad motives. I thought I was going to find, you know, cash and treasures and doubloons and stuff like that that get tossed up after a storm, <laughs> which is really hard to do. But I had, I had seen cash and treasures on TV, you know, on, on the Well, Travel did you Channel. have a metal
2: detector, Jersey, No, I or? wasn't that
3: nerdy, but, oh, okay. um, but I thought about it, but I, I thought, well, I'll just get lucky because sometimes I can find things, but it was so hilarious because the first thing I really got were these five conch shells and they're just beautiful, but I almost whole rolled ones. whole ones and I almost rolled right into the riptide. Uh, I fell actually, and um, and I got this this shell that is beautiful, um, but it has uh, and it has numbers on it, five zero zero. It's very cool, and um, it was so weird because you could probably get that for like five cents or something, or not even that. But do do you, do you, you know. think
2: that so the the shell had been found and then someone had somehow tossed it back into the ocean, had reclaimed it during like why would it have five zero zero the numbers? No, no, I
3: mean it, it was t- naturally on there. There were numbers that were naturally on there, which is kind of weird.
2: I know it sounds like Jesus's face might've been on there too. I mean, that was another (laughs) shell.
3: Oh, that poem by Lee Upton, Jesus on a tortilla. Yeah. But no, no, it so it was really fun. And, and then I started noticing, um, the way I got into the shell theory was I started noticing that the lettered olives, um, had these triangles in clusters and my mother-in-law had given me a bracelet with cutouts and it was cuneiform writing and they're clusters of triangles. So I thought, I wonder if they came, you know, so I've been researching, researching and, um, it it connects uh with the shapes that, that are on shells in the right areas connect with cuneiform uh ancient arabic um hebrew runes i think that's it so far but the ancient shapes are, are on the seashells, which makes sense. You know, from the natural world, that's where people would get an idea. And it's not just that there's triangles on it. There's uh, The triangles are in specific clusters, and so is the cuneiform language. So it was kind of the shape of it anyway. So I was like, oh, come on, somebody must have thought about this. And then I talked to Dr. Richard Keratin, who's a... Um, a linguist here. And he said, no, no one's stopped. <laughs> like, you got to write this up. So I did. And I haven't set it out yet. But it's it was really fun. I, I really got into the shells. Plus, there's an animal in there that I don't know anything about. And, you know, these spirals and these beautiful shells that they make, it's art and architecture. You know, it's really beautiful. And now I now language. So
2: and yeah. so, so you've also, besides the book, uh, Alphabet of the Ocean, Josie, mm-hmm. you also have a, an essay in the works. Is that what? It's, you, I finished
3: it at Ragdale this summer. Um, the essay, what or I Is have it to more do, than an
2: essay? I mean,
3: what? I'm hoping what it's it? just an essay. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but um, but I do need. I'm putting together photos of stuff that I get online of seashells, and they're in the right areas where the language is developed. So that's gonna be put together and sent out for publication. So. It's quite an interesting thing to deal with. Yes. It actually sounds like it could
2: be even, um, mm. you know, you're a PhD if you wanted to do something like that in
3: linguistics and I, I, I the don't natural know how, world. Yeah, I don't know how it would connect, but it, it just, it's been really fun researching it. And I really want to thank people. Um, who have large egos because I've gotten the most help from them because scientists don't have a lot of photos because they already know what the shells look like. But people who have collections and have big egos and want people to look at their collections, I'm very grateful for that.
2: Yeah, do you want <laughs> to do I some shout Because I can see, you know, then. shout-outs
3: to, uh, yeah, um, to different people that are on the web because they have their collection and they're in four color and you can really see the shell and the markings on the shell. So that's what's really helped my research. It's, it's great.
2: I bet there's a really good essay in um, The Obsessional collectors then as well especially since you felt yourself verging on that oh my gosh (laughs) i'm over it now (laughs) but (laughs) much recovered a much recovered josie kearns is here at the studio we're going to take a short break today on living writers you've got josie kearns here in the studio i'm t hetzel we'll be back you can hang me in a bottle like a
4: Bag into the mud Mrs. Carroll has run off with Reverend Judd Hell is such a lonely place And no big expensive face will never last
2: Welcome back. You've got living writers. I'm T Hetzel. And today, Josie Kearns here in the studio.
3: Um, That's so funny to hear you say that. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead.
2: um, Well, Mm. well. Well, you know, I don't know why it would be, because Josie actually let slip um, before we went on the air that she used to mm. host Living Writers
3: way, That's way back w- when, when... Oh, my when... gosh. I can't remember when that was. Well,
2: Chaz, um, um. an engineer here for quite a long time now, he's at Northwestern and Journalism School, but he mentioned yesterday mm. that Living Writers, um, just after Closets... Um, uh, closets Are for Clothes is mm-hmm. one of the, you know, longest running shows with different oh, hosts really? sep- stepping in. Oh, so it's yeah. just great that you I mentioned. I, I
3: don't think I did it very long. I remember interviewing Richard Tillinghast and Laura Kizishke and but it was really, oh, the, really a long time ago. Some,
2: some of our Michigan superstars, actually. Very you can't true. get better
3: than that. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> I learned a lot. And so, so, and did
2: you do that when you were in the MFA program here, Josie, or That when? was before.
3: Before? That was before, Yeah. And then when I got in the MFA program, I started doing it more consistently, but it was, and then I got too busy. Couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> so it's quite a program. So.
2: Oh, well, it's interesting mm. that you t- nice it's to weird. meet a former <laughs> host um, and I've met a few yeah. of them now I'd mm. Add Ashley David and Rachel Harkai right. to oh, the right. mix and, um. Okay, well, um well, Josie, uh we've been talking about one of the two new books out this year, um Alphabet of the Ocean. Uh I, I also I wanted to ask you about March Street Press cuz I mm-hmm. noticed that your first chapbook was also came out mm-hmm. with March Street and I think you you um you mentioned I think you give uh, a special thanks to Robert Bixby, who seems a great to be guy. at the yeah. helm
3: of March Street he's Press. He's published a lot of Michigan people. I mean, it's, he's, he's really good. And he's been lucky for me. Um, he published the chapbook of New Numbers, and then uh, Herb Scott published New Numbers in the full collection. And I've already got interest. I, I probably shouldn't say who it is, but I've got interest in somebody who wants to publish a longer version of uh, Alphabet of the Ocean. But they want it to be called Pink Noise. Which is cool because I finally finished that poem, but <laughs> but um, it's he's just been really lucky for me. I mean, the chapbook gets out, and then other people get ideas about a longer book. So so is he's that, very cool. So
2: is that the idea then, Josie of of yeah of making. The, this it's like a it's it's like a first it's like a first sketch, not a first sketch. Obviously, but, this is through no, many revisions. But, but
3: yeah, yeah, but it is. And it, actually, I'm glad you said revision because Diane McCoskey helped me greatly in editing the book. <laughs> and so um, because I just uh, all the poems came really quickly after that first year. And it's when it comes in a burst like that, it's hard to go back and edit cuz you you don't know you don't really know what you're looking at in a certain way. Other other times it's fine I go back and revise and all that. And then Diane when I asked her for a blurb, she said, "Well, you know, I could give you a better blurb if I, if we worked on this just a little bit more before Bixby publishes it. And she actually knows him. So I said, oh, all right, I'll take whatever advice, you know. So So it was kind of cool. You're open to hearing because you trust her as a a reader. Oh my gosh. Yes. But but could you give us
2: an example of like, so what sort of feedback would she give you?
3: What she did is she cut more, the poems more, because I knew they were too long and she cut them more to... I tend to cut to the good-sounding line. I mean, I really recognize this when I saw them all together. And she tends to cut more toward what the poem needs, which is a really big lesson for me. You know, I mean, I, I think I do it in my other work, but in because it's it's crisp and all that, but in the, I hope, but in this, I was into the undulation of the waves and, you know, like they're all out, they're actually lined out like that. And, which I think is just a big silliness now, but at the time it was like, yes, I'm going to make them like waves, you know, but, um, but I was hearing the ocean, you know, the ocean really gets in your head when you are living, you know, on the Gulf. And we heard it every day and all night and all this. So I think it was much harder to edit because of that. And so, but I was noticing about how she was making the poem work differently. It's a strange thing, but but she's really good at it, too.
2: But yet you felt like mm. she was making the poem work differently, but
3: at better, what you better. meant, what poem. your intentions oh, sure. were at the core of the poem, oh, like helping you to see that? or um, shaping it more like you don't need these three lines because you've already established that idea over here. I mean, that was the kind of thing she was doing. And it was like, oh, this sounds a lot better. You know, and it was like, oh. And then there's one poem that she didn't believe. She said it sounded made up, but I kept it anyway. I disagreed with the one thing. So one, with one poem, but I won't say which one it is. But, but she didn't believe. Mm. She, she said it sounds made up, and it was all it was absolutely true. But it was really funny. So then I thought, well, then I edited, my husband helped me edit it a little bit more too, because it was like, well, what does that mean? It sounds made up. It's, it's glib or it doesn't, you know, so then I went back in. That's what I thought she probably meant. So I went back in and changed a bunch of stuff. So, but I kept the poem in.
2: Yeah, because so. it sounds made up. That's such a that I mean, everything
3: then really, we're always making our whole worlds up. Well, right? even like. your memories are, <laughs> yeah. even like they say, if you tell a memory more than once, you edit, it changes anyway. So it was a very strange thing, but. She's really cool, though. I like Diane is really um, she's an amazing poet herself, but she's really good at criticism, <laughs> you know, and she has really good ideas. So I I I was really grateful.
2: Do you are you Josie? Were you, when you looked at the poems, like so you ha- didn't have the sense like these are these are finished or these although you had
3: approached I had March pro- Street Press. Well, at what this happened time, is so March Street had a website, and I was just checking on places to send stuff, and he had did a blog and he talked about how he's really sick of people sending him stuff where everything's already been published. He wants an idea where nothing is really published yet and you're just starting out and blah, blah, blah. And I only had two poems published, um, of the whole manuscript of the alphabet of the ocean. So I thought I I wrote him and I said, yeah, remember me? Um, (laughs) and you know, uh, this is exactly what's going on and it's all this one theory thing that I've got. So he said, okay, send it. And he said, yes. And so he said he I don't know if he felt like he had to say yes maybe, you know he you know, sort of said that. But um he was really happy that Diane was gonna work on it too, so it was really great. It was great of her too.
2: And um and then you have uh you have Thomas Lynch has, has wrote a blurb mm-hmm. for you. Um, can you, how do you, how do you decide like who you ask to, to blurb the books? And, Cause Lorna, I hate that part, but has, like has <laughs> really got a, a, nice, a blurb yeah. on the back of the other book that
3: will hopefully hear something from the theory yeah. of everything. Yeah. And Culloden has too. Um, I met Culloden, well, I met Tom years ago, uh, at a writer's conference and I've known him. He's come to my class. I've taught his book and you know, stuff like that. So I asked, you know, I said, which, which, you know, book? can you, which? Oh, his book, um, uh, The undertaking, life studies and dismal trade. The essays, right? Okay. Actually, I taught it when it first came out. I read it in two days, and I just said, "I want to do." Will you come to class? I'm getting all these books for my students. This is a great, you know. So you were ahead of the six feet under curve, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) And it was it was very cool. So he and he was very gracious and stuff. So Mm -hmm. and he said, "Tom's just a gracious kind of guy." So, so, but I hate asking. I really, but I do it on email, so that people won't. It's not face to face, you know. And then when the second. This book came first, and then when the, the theory of everything, I got an okay from uh, Maple Press. I thought, oh crap, I've already asked the two people that I could maybe get a blurb from. Who do I ask now? I <laughs> actually like, oh no. And then so then I remembered, gee, I haven't talked to Colette Inez in a while. Hmm. And then she said to send the manuscript, and she'd decide. And then she said yes, of course. And then um, and then Lorna Goodison was just so sweet to do it because ah. Oh, I was just right on deadline when they were going to, you know, because they wanted the publication to come out before AWP. So it was because I had a reading there and I had a signing, a book signing, all that stuff. So the timing, it was like, oh my gosh. So, and I didn't want to ask Tom again or uh, definitely not Diane again. So.
2: Well, well, let me read Tom's blurb and then will okay. you read us a poem from sure. so so everyone can can have have a um, a listen. Uh, let's see, Thomas Lynch says. These urgent, undulant poems, awash in the sea's strange lexicons, are sparkling gifts indeed. Beachcomber, cliff-dweller, pearl-diver, and sea-sheller, Josie Kern's studies, are full of rare finds. And so, That's such a sweet thing. <laughs> and now we'll hear
3: one. Okay, this is Neptune, and this kind of... I wanted to open the book with this because it chronicles sort of my love affair with the ocean, <laughs> which began a long time ago. Neptune. The ocean makes you think of the old ways even if you never knew or practiced them. You say aloud Neptune. He responds with the force of megatons, shoots you tiny presents of pink murex, then courts with heavier shells, pagodas of conch, weight of quahog like a cladot ring. You remember almost drowning when you were seven, letting go, that green door under all the under, until a husky teen pulled you out, your mother on the shore screaming, She doesn't want you to go steady yet, not with such an older senior. Now you don't promise anything either, except words and saying his name. His blue arms, his teal translucence, pirate doubloons, tumbled sea glass, Spanish silver and spiny jewel box, starfish and sand dollar. All Neptune wants you back. His terrible love, his caldera arms. Your mother no longer there to protect you. There never was a father. What do you say to a man of means? So that's Neptune, and I actually went to the beach and I said, "Neptune, you you've got to give me some shells." <laughs> and I'm not drowning this time, but I will write a poem about you. <laughs> it was really funny because in my head I was like, "Okay, Neptune, shells," and I did find a bunch of shells, so it was it was pretty strange. What's like mm. one of your prize shells? What um, would you say? Well, there is a shell I I found on a morning. It's a lightning whelk. Well, they're, they're beautiful and they're turbulent you know and they're um spiral shaped and it's gray and blue and i found it during a huge storm and it had gotten socked right into the side of the um the the sand uh, embankment, the sand embankment. The and i had to, and i and it, it was in a moment going to be a fossil because um the sand covers things so quickly and so definitely impacts it down turns out sand's a really good packing material um that i had to get it right away and it's just beautiful it's beige and blue it's really gorgeous so and i like the spiral Yeah. so now <laughs> so, do you have them all over your house then in josie? the main rooms i do and my husband said are we going to have shelves everywhere in the house and i said no just these two rooms and then upstairs in the library so yeah and i have to and i give give them away to students as well because i have too many <laughs> so anyway
2: and and so josie mm-hmm. with this um do you find that you're you're coming up with an idea that you, like you Mm. said earlier, you become immersed in, like you just run full throttle into it and then, and then it becomes a a way to frame the book. Is that your method of working that for, or is that just uh, subconscious? Well, I
3: sort of knew the Neptune poem had to come or I had to write about Neptune because I had promised him I would. And, um, and, but then also I wanted to write about, like I did almost drown when I was seven. Like I was really close. I'd gone down four times. So (laughs) it was really bad. Um, and uh, it was just accident that my mother saw me and that the little boy the boy well he, little boy he's probably 12 uh, came and got me um, And so there was that I had been to the ocean before but did the, the uh, near California and so this is Florida so it's a little bit different. Um, but then the other poems I kept getting into the shells and what their names were and you know there's these cone shells and Hebrew cones and there's um, lightning Walk what a great name i mean you know and then there were ponderous arcs and it's like oh a thinking ship is good you know and like when you get the name of the shell you just think about it and it's like suddenly you're off to the races i mean it's it was just like i had to but then i found out that people who shell are so into it and they want anything that has to do with shells so i was hoping the book would be a crossover you know or something like that but you know i i don't know yet so, so. any signs mm-hmm. of that yeah that sounds great well, like i was at a i was at ragdale and i um t- was asked to speak to a group of visitors and so i did and i didn't even i didn't read or anything and uh i had mentioned the shell book and i sold books so it, they were like i shall i want that book <laughs> so that was really strange
2: could you tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about ragdale oh it, r- since sure you've been there sure sure
3: <laughs> uh, a few times uh uh, Ragdale Foundation is uh, artist uh, writer colony in Lake Forest, Illinois, and they also have a composer that comes usually. And it's artists and writers, fiction, poetry, dramatists, playwrights, um, screen screenwriters um, come. And uh, I met a bunch of people that I still know now. In fact, Audrey Neffenegger who did uh, who wrote The Time Traveler's Wife, is a major artist as well, and she did the cover of my book for The Theory of Everything. Um, and and I wanted her to do the cover of my book because I love her work. Uh, but I met Did her she first as an this specifically yes. for the, the mm-hmm. book. Oh, yep. wonderful. So that was kind of cool, and then and it's based on a drawing that I had seen in her uh, book, uh, the, the incestuous sister, the three incestuous sisters. But the incestuous part is only because they all fall in love with the same guy. <laughs> but anyway, um, and it's sort of like a picture book, but. Um, But I asked her if she'd do it. She was, yes. And so, I mean, I just got a lot of help. But Ragdale's really cool because um, I just was there for a month. And it's like going back to the 19th century. I mean, there's no TV and there's every room has its own small library. And then there's a larger library downstairs. And they have all these ancient books. And you read and you work and they make you food. And it's great.
2: (laughs) Wow, it does. It sounds like a dream. And how were
3: you first invited, Josie, to go? Oh, um, because you've been a there long 4 time. times or so. Um more than 4, but I mm. won't say how many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cuz I think they're going to make a rule that you can't come. Uh but um Larry Pike, who's a Detroit writer, told my husband Joe about it. And then Joe went and then he kept saying you have to go to, you have to go to Ragdale. So as soon as I got my and then um Alice Fulton um who also, you know, taught here, said that as soon as you get your MFA, go right. And so I thought, "Oh, all right, I should go to Ragdale now." So I got my MFA and I went there and i've been mean, going <laughs> um and it's just a great place i mean i get a lot of work done
2: well that, that's how it's it seems like a great place for production yes just, for production good... it definitely is well, well we're going to take a short break sure. uh, you're listening to living writers mm-hmm. today on the program josie mm-hmm. kearns i'm t hetzel we'll be back mm-hmm. Oh You're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I'm T. Hetzel. You've got living writers. And today, poet Josie Kearns is here. Huh. Um, if you're just joining us, uh, we had a poem from Alphabet of the Ocean. And now yeah. we're going to be moving on to the next book because uh, Josie's got uh, uh what is that expression? It's like a, a spoil of riches or something like that. Well, because there's oh, two yeah. books in one year. Yeah. An embarrassment uh, of riches. Embarrassment. Thank you. <laughs> oh. May, right. I shouldn't even <laughs> attempt these phrases if I can't, you know, pull them off correctly. Right. Um, so, hmm. so this, the, the next book we're going to be talking about is the theory of everything. Um, and this this is by may apple press uh published uh, up in bay city uh josie so how so mm. so how did uh um, may apple come into the picture then
3: well, well i also checked their website <laughs> um and it said they weren't accepting any manuscripts um and i thought well drat because i like their they had these beautiful books i mean you know and stuff and this is before i had thought of uh of Audrey as doing the cover because i didn't have a contract yet and then, I but I had met, I'd seen Judith at the Luddington Writers Conference. Um, and she was, you know, doing the book thing and stuff. And so I thought, and that's the editor and publisher. So then I thought, well, what if I just emailed her? <laughs> um, and she's, and so, and, you know, if she says no, she'll, it'll be no. Like, I'm not interested and we really are closer. Maybe she'll be interested. So I pitched her the idea first because um, all my books so far, which is really odd to think about right now uh, in poetry are are usually concept books and Pink Noise is going to be a concept book as well around an idea, some idea. So, um, this one was around, I wrote her and said, well, it's around uh, quantum physics theory. Don't, you know, cut me off now. Uh, it's about how the um, idea of quantum physics um, concepts dovetail with human experience. It's I mean, it brings it back down to earth. And she said, oh, tell me more. And so I told her my ideas and I sent her like, I think, 10 online. And she said, okay, send the manuscript. So I was like, all right. You know, so, so, so
2: when going back just for a moment, mm-hmm. Josie, when you're you've got the so you're saying there like a, a concept book, right? Okay, um, but does that is it because you're just it's what you you find that you've
3: been like, obsessing a work about <laughs>
2: that is just starting to pile, become a sheaf yeah. of paper, you know, right. like
3: where you're, and they seem to go in one direction. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. it's
2: not as if you're thinking I'm going
3: to, it's time for the seashells or I'm going to think about physics or, you well, know, i had been thinking about physics and I had like, I had a core of maybe 10 poems that really were all comp- like dark matter and reading physics and satellite father and things that were really about that. And then it started to expand But, um, like, in that book, and in New Numbers, too, but in both of those books I had, um, because I was obsessed with numbers before, but um, they both have double-voice pieces, uh, and the reason for that is I met Alan Lightman because he came to U of M. U of M is a great place to meet people. (laughs) And um, he had written Einstein's dreams at the time, and I said, I have a question. If there are ten existences that are provable mathematically, uh, how come we can only perceive maybe four, you know, time being the fourth one? Those dimensions, and he said, "Oh, that's because they're all coiled up in inside each other. they're all coiled together, and that's why you can't really perceive them. And I was like, "Oh, so with language, maybe you would coil one or two voices together, and that's how you would like make a poem that talks about that in physics. I was trying to figure out what the how you could sort of do it on the page, and then it was also because I was coming at the same um, topic with two ways of looking at it. And I thought, well, why can't I put those both and weave them together? And so that's that's how some of those poems came to be, which was kind of fun. For the inventions one, it's really easy because you've got my mother and I talking and then you've got all these inventions by women. So, which was hard to look up at the time, but there has been a book out now about women inventors. But at the time I had to go to the kids section of the library and look up Pulitzer Prize winners and find out what they invented and things like that. Or, um, I'm sorry, Nobel and yeah, Nobel and Pulitzer Prize winners to see what had gotten invented so somebody got that idea as a um a book and they've actually published about that so i thought that was good yeah. but anyways so but but also like when i read physics i sort of see things that match in my life and different things like um the concept of singularity which means it's a it's an event that doesn't fit any other phenomena like the um when we were talking earlier about seeing the uh, three elephants, like it doesn't fit any other phenomena, <laughs> you know, things like that happen to me. So it's like, oh, I, maybe that's what they mean by an anomaly, because I've never, you know, had three elephants sway and watch me again. So,
2: right, yeah. Uh, yeah. To which actually reminds me of something that I wanted to ask you, Josie, sure. with on that particular poem that features singularity. Um, I, I noticed that at the end, you you chose to put a, an asterisk with some b- background information.
3: Um. Oh, which one?
2: I. And and I was wondering if that. Oh. Was... Oh.
3: The. Um. Oh yeah. Pie. Pie yeah. was hard to write. <laughs> so, so, so. So yeah.
2: So is that? Um. Yeah. Could you talk about why? Why you chose to do that, and I think that and there's an earlier poem where you also have like it, it's an not quite a foo- kind of, footnote, but of, it's yeah. yeah. Well, I, and why I re- you didn't make it a footnote? Why it's yeah. an aster- asterisk that that floats yeah. so close well, to the poem,
3: or just choices th- like that? I sort of thought that um, if I well, I had somebody um, Carolyn, this woman that I met at Ragdale. Um, we were looking at each other's manuscripts and stuff way before this came out, and she looked at the pie poem and she thought that's too long of an epigram to have at the beginning. And then the other idea was if you do it give it all away maybe you want to say that at a reading but for the reader in the book you want to um, you know rise raise some questions and then at the end if they're really confused you can put the footnote in and it was like oh that makes sense make people think about it first and then go oh that's what that means because when I was doing Pi I was reading about this set that they just found uh, that has some of Archimedes original theories on it and um, this whole idea of filling the circle with every known shape and then what, what's left between that and where you can't fill it in, that the unknown part, that's pie. That's actually pie. And I'd never been taught that before. And I was like, this is great. I live in the unknown, <laughs> you know, between what's known and what's not known. And then um, and then this woman was also there who was a composer, but she also helps the Alaskan Whale Foundation. And so the idea of the whales in a circle, creating all these bubbles and trapping heron and having like a party, a barbecue, was like, oh my gosh, pie. Like, you know, so it was, it was, kind of a cool idea i can't read that poem because it's um double voiced and i need two people so that'll be for another time i guess but uh, i don't know when that would be but i mean that's kind of the idea but,
2: well why couldn't you um, read it with um well, with i i mean no, of, i just think that's interesting uh, it's hard or, to
3: read with two you, you can, the idea is kind of to step on the other line A little bit, just a little bit. Like when I'm ending, uh, is that what we do? You understand Rome by way of Florence would come in very quickly. It's It's supposed to kind of go juggernaut, like yeah. So, but anyway, but but I can read a poem if you'd like um, that has uh, that talks about physics um, directly. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason this is Tishuko Wada Meyer, who is an artist that I met at Ragdale. She does installation work, and um, she. Uh, She was really cool. You have many dedications in this particular book too.
2: Even Stephen Hawking gets gets a shout out for Black Holes. Yeah, yeah.
3: right. Because I learned a lot from all these people. I mean, I'm really lucky in that... um, I, I get a lot from other people. <laughs> so there's that it's not plagiarism, but I do get a lot of ideas from other people talking and stuff. And Shuko made me think about stuff I had not done in years. Like when I was a kid, I was like three or four, and I put all these coffee cups out, and it's in the poem. And I put gumballs in it, and I was recording how long it took for the um, color to come off in the water. I put water in the—it was like— some sort of weird experiment <laughs> and she reminded me of all the stuff I used to do as a kid and I thought I gotta write about that so anyway this is called reading physics for Shiko Meyer, artist reading physics It's like a secret code you knew as a child when you kept careful notes of how exactly red ball gum differs from blue, when its shards shear off in arcs, floating in the space of hot tap water, green plastic coffee cups laid out on your yellow kitchen table in rows labeled like Petri dishes, or like the red-yellow-blue Play-Doh you melted on general electric bulbs in the dining room, dripping to candle taper perfection kept in mason jars like radium. Now, how steady-state theory seems to connect to the Maya beliefs. We are now in our fifth world. And infinite parts of quantum suggest Egyptian star religion. But also because there's something in chaos theory, akin to how you orbit your own world, unsent thank-you notes spilling out of a desk, like filaments of novas, faulty wiring in the basement contrib- contributing to certain eclipses upstairs attraction and gravity not far from that Laurence Olivier look-alike at the gym extra laps around the solar system for you elliptical anomaly and spiral galaxies happen every day in your coffee cup when the cream swirls like so many billion your milky way red as a spectrograph with foam a sprinkle of cinnamon can make Your eyes are not the singularity expected with their darker nucleus, and so fractal decisions become small-town talk of the nebular. You've left your one dimension for ten, interlocking as Lincoln logs your cousin wouldn't let you play with, and every time Hubble makes a discovery no one can fathom, you applaud like the fan of an underdog playoff team. It's great to know minds who know calculus are stumped. And you read and read far into the candlelit night, while mortality groans on its axis, as if, looked at another way, your life has a solution some other continuum could tell you. Not that I ever found any. Thank you, Jesse. Well, that's for the next book, isn't it? Really? The solutions. That'll be the solutions. Yeah, really. But anyway. Oh, I grabbed your book. Sorry. Well, that's okay. Uh, I'm just going
2: to grab it back here.
3: Anyway, but I mean, it's just fun. Like, it starts to make a certain sense to you. And people have said physics is, is the modern poetry because, or the modern religion, because a lot of it is not provable except mathematically like you actually will not see that level um you know the subatomic level or the larger you know because we're not out there yet so yeah. it's kind of cool in that way
2: i, I um. yeah i have to say i like was so it's so happy i mean i'd love to see fractal in a poem the word <laughs> you know i was just i
3: couldn't yeah, yeah, it can, I wanted language. to tell you that oh well thank you <laughs> the language gets in there though you start talking about spirals and there's like the sacred spiral and there's all these like offshoots and you start thinking, you know, it sort of when you read physics, it sort of permeates how you're thinking about things. It's scary sometimes to
2: read it. And you're, yes, Actually. yes. Um, well also because there's a certain point sometimes where it feels like, at least for me, that mm-hmm. your mind approaches a part where it's like, it stops. with the considering of an of the idea it sort of just stops and and it's so big yeah (laughs) yeah it's true and that's uncomfortable because you want to think that your 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 connections are limitless that you can be tossing them out there and they'll
3: keep connecting to other things but yeah when you're some people say that when they read physics they get a sense of vertigo and that happens like i I have to read it and then i have to put it aside (laughs) for a minute because yeah it's whirling out there in the planets and everything.
2: It's interesting yeah. how you also bring the physics, mm. physics of language into the the book, The Theory of mm. Everything, um, with your punctuation poems.
3: Oh, that's true.
2: And and you chose to put Forget those into couplets. I, thought, I wondered if that was just how it felt right or if that it's was... It's very sentence-like.
3: <laughs> and the punctuation is like the general of the sentence, or the lieutenant, or something. Well, I guess the comma would be the lieutenant, the period would be the general. I don't know, or the chief of staff, or something. But anyway, but it's like I don't know why I'm just the, thinking of the that Mom now. It's not even in there. But anyway, but yeah, it's it was sort of fun, and it's great to end a book with period. And it's a period, and it's like the last one. I thought that's like the cosmic joke. <laughs> it's so, true yeah that's f- fun
2: the final the final line uh, lovely like with a we like one heartbreak at a time we like one end yeah and, and that's, it's that's, done that's, that's yeah. nolly uh, and i like mm. how you work richard hugo in there with you know his anti homage to the
3: semicolon which it is, is ugly funny. that's what it he is, says yeah. and he's
2: not he's not wrong yeah. <laughs> we're gonna take mm. a short break you're yeah. listening to living writers i'm t hetzel today on the program josie kearns we'll be back
4: when I was a boy, the moon was pearl, the sun a yellow gold. When I was a man, the wind. Side down For now